welcome back to Sisterly. We are so excited to have you here for another episode. Um, On today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about our experiences with um, mental health and mental illness. Um, For those of you who don't know, on October 10th, it is actually World Mental Health Day. Um, So we thought it was kind of a good time to speak on this. Um, Make sure that you do something for you on October 10th in honor of your own mental health. Um, But before we get into today's topics, we just wanted to kind of go back briefly to our topic last week, um, speaking on our early job experiences. Thank you so much to everyone who listened and gave us feedback. It means the world. Um, But we did have a couple of additions to work experiences that we just wanted to cover. Um, My friend Rachel, who I talked about um, that I worked with at the country club, um, if you didn't hear that story, make sure to go back and and listen because the whole story is pretty funny. Um, But she wrote in with a couple of um, experiences that I completely forgot about um, that I think should be shared. Um, One of which was that I forgot that when we worked in the kitchen, the chef called us uh, little girls. (laughs) Like that's how he referred to us. That's what you want to hear. He would be, he would say like, little girls to get our attention, which I, I truly blacked out, I think, because... That feels professional. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> I did have a, another work experience where someone called me Little Liv. Mm. It was a man, which made me irritated. Um, another one that she brought up was um, that the high school boys that we worked with would throw the order pads that you would take like people's orders on um at her and would scream nerd at her and they made a vine of it of them throwing things at her screaming nerd which was wild levels of harassment in this place absolute insanity i also forgot that one of the vines they made was them playing like real life fruit ninja oh my god just slicing the fruit with the knives yeah Yeah, no wonder they freaking got fired. What are they doing? She also reminded me, though, that they actually got hired back the next summer. There's no justice. When you think there's justice, (laughs) it isn't real. Okay, so our delayed justice is a farce. Um, Yeah. No justice. No justice. So that was upsetting, but um, was happy that she updated me with some things that I did forget. She was like, don't you remember this? And I was like, no, you know, I really think I blocked it out. <laughs> You're like, the trauma of it all really just faded <laughs> yeah. um, from memory. So I also had another friend reach out to me because she saw our poll that we posted on our Instagram at sisterlypod, which you should be following if you're not following. Um, and she – so she texted me to talk about an experience she had at work. Um, and she said – I saw your question about embarrassing stuff at work. I had secondhand embarrassment when my PM, I'm assuming that means project manager, was trying to show me how to use a software via YouTube videos. And his recent search before he showed me the software video was how to be a better kisser. (laughs) I died on the spot. She said, we were on video camera too. I just kept staring at the search bar. (laughs) That's so uncomfy. <laughs> so wild for a million reasons. I hope he didn't notice. I know. I hope for there. his sake that he didn't see it. Because how do you not though? How do you not just like fall into a hole in the floor? Like how do you not just Listen, wish it, to melt away? I understand the internet is a great – it's a great resource for all of your embarrassing questions. If you're looking up a video like how to be a better kisser – you do that in incognito mode, okay? Right. That is what that mode is made for. Literally the purpose. Not so, your work computer. <laughs> don't use your work computer or use your phone, for God's right. sakes. Like, don't use your work computer. It's like rookie mistakes, right, left, and center. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, that was that's a rough one. So, um, also, also, I have iconic. to imagine that this man was like a fully grown man. Like, why is a said man like, I mean, you know what? You know, I take we're it not back. Here to I'm judge. not judge him. Maybe he wants to improve his kissing skills, and you know what? Good for him. You can improve them at any age. Yeah, but maybe he just went- do it on your phone, probably. Yeah, do it like a little bit more privately. <laughs> um, yeah, who knows? Maybe he like got feedback that he wasn't a very good kisser, and there is 
there's no time like the present to learn, you know? Like this we're learning true. and growing. So if you want to be a better kisser, I it's support you. It's good to take you. initiative. I like that. You know 100%. what? 100%. Just don't do it on your work computer. Yeah, it's better to to ask the question, right, than to never work on it. Right, um, that's true. What if he just like went forward in life, like continuing to disappoint the people he was kissing? Like he took initiative. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Um, but yeah, moral of the story, keep it at home. or keep it on incognito mode (laughs) so that's all on last week's episode but thanks again for everyone who uh listened and if you didn't there is no time like the present (laughs) get on on it and listen to that one and then come back and listen to today's episode feel free to tell us more um embarrassing or hilarious work stories because they don't get old so never tell us tell us anytime All right. With that, uh, let's get into our topic for today. So we wanted to talk a little bit about mental health. And um, I feel like this is a topic that everyone should relate to because everyone has mental health (laughs) and um, is either taking care of it or not, but we we all experience it. Mm -hmm. And um, so Olivia and I wanted to talk a little bit about our experiences, what sort of mental health issues we've faced and um, sort of, yeah, the challenges we've gone through and then what things we found the most helpful for us. Um, so I guess I'll sort of kick it off with, um, and I do want to say quickly, just before we kick it off that we know that we are by no means mental health experts. Oh yeah. Um, clearly not. I think everyone can get that. You know that we're not, (laughs) you probably know that already. Um, but just want to say if you are at all struggling with your mental health, that there are resources for you and professionals that can give you specific advice to your needs. So these are just things that help us, um, but are by no means a rule book or a prescription Mm -hmm. of what other people should do. Yeah, absolutely. Important disclaimer. We are not in any shape or form experts. These are just what we have done for ourselves and what's worked or what hasn't for us. Um, And everyone has such unique mental health challenges. So not universally applicable. But um, for me personally, I have dealt with anxiety ever since I was a little kid. Um, I definitely had it as a young child, but I I really didn't have a name for it for a very long time. I didn't didn't know what anxiety was or what the feelings that I had were. Um, I, I just remember feeling worried a lot about things and also just um, having sort of weird fears or things that I would just sort of obsess about or, or be concerned about. And I remember, um, one time even actually when I was maybe nine or so, I remember, um, I was like in bed and I just, I kept feeling like I couldn't breathe. And I, my dad came in and was like, what's going on? Are you, are you okay? And I was like, I can't breathe. And I was like, I was clearly breathing. He was like, well, you're, you're breathing. And I was like, I just, I can't breathe. And that's such a dad thing. to I know. He's like, well, I see it. So it's like the air is coming in and out. But, um, <laughs> but I think what I, what I, in hindsight realized is I think I was having a panic attack just like as a child, I was really just anxious. And, um, this was actually a, not long after my parents had gotten divorced and it was one of our first times visiting my dad in New York. And I was just like at night, all of a sudden, just like, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And, um, I like only later realized what that was at the time. I was just like, Oh, I don't know. I guess maybe it's my asthma. <laughs> like, What's that which also like, it could be fair because I, it's a legit also concern. It's but. not super helpful when you have panic attacks and also asthma. Yeah. It's like, what's going on? They what, sometimes which go hand it? in hand. You're like, am I having a panic attack or am I having an asthma attack? Either uh-huh. one unpleasant, but similar feelings sometimes. <laughs> um, but I guess what I should really start with is that um, Olivia and my parents got divorced when we were younger. I was seven. And so um, shortly after that, um, our mom had us start going to see um, a therapist. And so that was our first introduction to sort of mental health care and and talking to, to someone. Yep. Been in therapy since I was four, folks. <laughs> So you could say we're really evolved. Um. My dad's favorite story about um, me going to therapy when I was little is that 
he would come in sometimes to talk with a therapist too, just to like, you know, see how things were going with us. If there were things that he could work on. Um, and I'm sure at one point there was a legitimate feedback, but the one he likes to talk about was that I used to complain to my therapist that he would make me eat all of my food, <laughs> even when I didn't like it. Yeah. That he would like make me eat my protein and my vegetables and I didn't want to eat it. And he would make me. Um, <laughs> that's his favorite story about a conversation that he had with my therapist. Just so. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're four years old, it's a concern. <laughs> Listen, I was a picky eater. Still am, but it was even worse back then. But that's that's a whole other topic. Yeah. So Olivia and I have both been in therapy for from from an early age. Yeah. And on and off. On and off. Yeah. Yeah. Not the whole time. Um, but what's interesting is actually at that time, it's not like we were sort of diagnosed as having any sort of mental health issue. It was, it was more just here's a situation that's difficult that could have an impact on a person's mental health. Like, why don't you? come in and talk about your feelings, um, which I think is really important to also recognize that you can go to therapy even if you're like, I don't think I'm depressed or I don't think I have anxiety. Like you can just right. go to therapy because you want to work through an issue or, or pre- uh, a preventative measure. <laughs> right. Or just be like, I'm about to face a difficult decision or something challenging. Like, why don't I just talk it through with a professional? Like you don't have to be at your wits end to go to therapy. In fact, it is highly encouraged, I think, for you to go yeah. before you're at your wits end. And I think what was so important too about us going to therapy from a young age is that I didn't really ever have a stigma against therapy. I never saw it as a bad thing. I remembered going when I was a little kid. Our therapist was great. She would always have snacks for us. Kids cookies. Loved that. Yep. So we would – it was like at her condo. So we would go in and I remember Rebecca and I would go in separately and we would have snacks while the other one went up or, you know, as we got older, we would start doing our homework while the other one was in therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, It was almost like an after-school activity. It was like an activity. It didn't I liked just, going. Yeah, me too. I was like, it's cool. I'm going to chat about my feelings and then like eat some chocolate chip cookies. Like there's – what could be bad? Yeah. So I, I always viewed it kind of positively. Yeah, same. It was kind of nice that it, it just – it was not a weird thing and it also didn't seem like a thing you had to go to just because there was a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there were things that we were dealing with, but it, it wasn't like, oh, we're we're in such a – a bad state. It's just no. We're just we're just going to go talk through things and work through things, um, and I think we did that for a while. And then, for me, my anxiety reached the the worst it had ever gotten my freshman year of high school. Um, and at the time, I still didn't I didn't actually know what it was. Um, it was strange for me because um, I started feeling all of a sudden a lot of really physical symptoms. So it wasn't like I I felt super nervous, but all of a sudden I felt what I used to describe as dizzy. I felt like uneven, like things were kind of shaky. My head would feel really, really heavy. Um, it felt like things were kind of like moving or swaying. Um, yeah. And just like really physical. Um, and I was, I started going to I think first my like pediatrician to be Yeah, like, we thought you had vertigo. I remember yeah, exactly. that was the, for the longest time we kept being like, oh, Rebecca's vertigo. Right. So people were like, you know, checking my ears, doing blood tests, trying to figure out like what what is going on with me that I'm feeling so dizzy and off balance. And um, yeah, I remember like I used to do ballet and I would go to ballet and I'd be like, I'm I'm so dizzy and confused. I don't I don't really know what's happening. And even just sitting at home, I'd feel it at school. I would feel what I later learned is sort of um, disassociated. I didn't really, I didn't have the words for it at the time, but I just would feel really removed from things. I didn't feel, I felt like I was almost not in my body and just everything felt kind of distant and, um, and I, I did not know what it was, but it was very startling and it went on for months and I just remember I started to feel really hopeless that it was never going to go away, that I was never going to feel normal again. And in the meantime, I was getting like labs done on my blood work, my hormones, like what's going on here. I went to see a neurologist, all sorts of things. And, and you know, I think we did find out that I had sort of uh, – I forget what it's called, like the thing when you stand up and your blood pressure drops really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I do have that. Um, but but there wasn't any th- anything super conclusive 
physically that anyone could determine why I was feeling all of those symptoms. Um, and it sort of just went away at a point, like the, the physical symptoms just sort of slowly started to go away, um, after months. And it wasn't until years later when it started to happen again, that I actually figured out that it was anxiety that I was dealing with. And that, um, later on I would, I would end up getting like full on panic attacks and I would realized that, oh, back in high school, that's, that's what was happening to me. Yeah. I remember I used to be so confused when I was little and you would start, I wasn't like very supportive back then because I, I was like, what do you mean? You're like dizzy. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Like, I, I didn't understand. I was like, why? And it makes sense now remembering when you used to feel this way, like remembering what events were going on. Right. That it suddenly came up. And a lot of times it was like events that I also wasn't thrilled to go to or didn't want to be at. And I was like, Rebecca, do not leave me here alone. <laughs> but it's like I didn't re- like understand what was going on. You know, I didn't right. know that you were actually panicking about it. Right. Um, and it was funny too because like we had been in therapy, but it it really was – I don't know if I was still in therapy at the time or not, but I, I don't it think really so. – I don't think we were. And I just was not a connection in my mind at all that, oh, that this – it just felt so physical that I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that it could be um, a mental issue or, or you know, that there could be a connection there. I thought I was like, I have to be sick. I was like, I'm dying. <laughs> I have like – who knows what's going on, but I'm dying. <laughs> I remember we like thought you got vertigo because we went on a cruise. Like Right. It, it was, was like, <laughs> is it your fears? Like no one could figure it out. And it, yeah. it just felt like there was no resolution. And then it just sort of slowly started to go away. And I think what must have happened is it's just like my – the whatever – events had been happening slowly became less overwhelming and I just sort of moved beyond it. Um, Well, beginning of high school kind of makes sense. Yeah, it was like a big transition. Right. You started to get the hang of it. Maybe you just didn't feel as anxious about it. Yeah, exactly. But it was was very disruptive like to Mm -hmm. school and everything because I I just would be so focused on how I felt instead of just, you know, what I was doing. Um, and it just made me feel like a crazy person. I was like, what is going on? And I and I missed school a bunch to go to doctor's appointments or to be like – because I just felt so dizzy, um, which was kind of crazy. But yeah, it wasn't until um, the summer before my senior year of college that I, I woke I – rem- I distinctly remember I woke up one morning in like late May. It was like Memorial Day weekend or something this, the summer before – my senior year. And I woke up and I immediately had the exact same feeling that I'd had when I was a freshman in high school. And I felt so panicked immediately because I was like, my head feels the same way. I was like, I feel dizzy. My head feels heavy. Like what is going on? And and I, I kept trying to walk around and I was like, I feel the exact same way. And I was just so scared that I was going to now endure months again of these like physical symptoms and never Mm -hmm. figure out what was going on. But I do think you went back eventually when it happened again to see like a a psychiatrist or a therapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened the second time. Yes. And then you were able to figure it out. And I do believe you got medication for the panic attacks. I did. I did. So the second time it happened, it was the, the summer before senior year, as I said, and to give you a taste of what I was up to that summer, I was working. I was also taking organic chemistry. <laughs> I was also studying for the MCAT because at this point in my life, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. So I was doing a lot of things. Yeah, spoiler, she's one. not a doctor. <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> Didn't become a doctor. <laughs> it's better for everyone. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, at the time, I thought I wanted to, and I was killing myself over trying to study organic chemistry, trying to study for the MCAT. Meanwhile, like not understanding organic chemistry and getting so frustrated by it, also trying to maintain my job. And all of a sudden, I start feeling these like awful physical symptoms. I'm I'm dizzy again. I'm feeling out of it. And then I start actually having instances where it feels like my heart is racing. It's like pounding in my chest and times where I'm like, I, I don't think I, I can breathe. And I'm like, am I having an asthma attack? I like take my inhaler and it's just, you know, I was like, am I going to throw up? Is, am I going to pass out? What's going on? And I ended up seeing a doctor um, and 
you know, he, he did like an EKG, like made sure my heart was fine and everything. And he was like, this sounds like anxiety. He sounds, he was like, this sounds like a panic attack. And I was like, really? <laughs> and I was like, you don't say. I was like, tell me more because I had just, I was like, oh, you have a, a possibly a new solution that someone has not proposed to me as to why I'm feeling this way. And he was like, yeah, this this sounds like anxiety. And he asked me what I was up to and I explained what I'd been up to that summer. And he was like, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And, um, and so, yeah, he, he prescribed me like a medicine for to basically if he was like, if you're having a panic attack, you could take this medicine and it will sort of halt the panic attack and bring you down. And he was like, if you're really interested, you should also see a psychiatrist. Maybe they could prescribe you something more preventative for your anxiety if you if you feel like that's something that you want um and so I I remember I would like everywhere that whole summer I would like carry in my purse like the Mm -hmm. panic attack pills I just made me feel better to know that they're that they were there and that if I were gonna have one that I I could take one and I think I only ever took one one time like the whole summer but just mentally knowing that I had something that might be able to calm me down and and prevent that um was a huge relief, but it was a, it was a very stressful summer. Um, cause the, the, even though I had that, the symptoms did not go away immediately. I still suffered mm-hmm. with panic attacks. I still felt dizzy, but I at least felt some relief in knowing, okay, this is, this is actually what it is. I yeah, know the validation. what it is. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. Like this is other people feel physical symptoms when they have anxiety. This isn't just me coming up with something crazy. Like my body is actually so stressed that I'm genuinely feeling this way and my body is reacting this way. And it was actually before I went to this doctor, we were, I was at the movies. I forget if I was with you or where I was, but we were watching Iron Man three, which came out that summer. And in one of the scenes, Tony Stark has a panic attack and he's like breathing kind of heavy. He's dissociated. It's like, he can't quite hear what's going on. He feels kind of out of it. And I was in the theater like, holy shit. <laughs> I was just like, that, that's, that's it. Like that's, that's what's happening. I was like, this happens to Tony Stark too. <laughs> Even superheroes deal with anxiety. And I was just like, oh shit, like this is what this is. And I was like, okay, I got to see a doctor. I got to figure this out. And that's when I went and he was like, yep, yeah, like this is it. So, um, it was, it wasn't like a quick fix. I, I had to figure it out for a while and it was, it made going out and doing normal things really difficult and it made me feel really weird at the time because mm-hmm. I didn't know anyone who struggled in that way. Like maybe they did, but I just didn't know it. And so it felt like I w- I felt so strange to be like, I, I feel dizzy. I feel off. I don't, I don't want to go out. Um, and eventually it did get better. And I, I also, I ended up going back to therapy after this happened to be like, okay, let's figure out what is at the root of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about your experience with anxiety just because it's really different from mine. I think mm-hmm. it's a, a little bit less panic mm-hmm. involved and more like constant anxiety. But I feel like I didn't really know I was struggling with anxiety until way later on. Um, well, not necessarily later than you, but the first thing I ever really noticed was my depression. And that hit before I noticed um, my anxiety. And they often go hand in hand. At least that's what I've been told by health professionals. A lot of times it's like, you have depression, like you probably have anxiety too. But I mean, don't take that as a professional opinion, but that is what I've experienced. Um, But I just remember when I was a kid, I was, I had like, a, a tough go of it. I, I would say when I was a kid, just like I really struggled to make friends. I really struggled to feel like I fit in. Um, and so I wasn't happy a lot of the time. Um, but I do remember specifically I was on the bus on the way to a piano lesson. They used to like drop us off at this like church where they did piano lessons. And I remember just feeling like there was literally a cloud over me all the time. Like things were just gray constantly. And it's like kind of hard to pinpoint as a kid, like why do I feel like that? Like why Mm -hmm. am I just not happy, you know? Um, And it wasn't, you know, 
necessarily brought on by specific things. Like sometimes that did happen, but a lot of times it was just like constantly not happy. Um, And I remember I told my mom and she took me to my pediatrician, um, the same pediatrician that if you listen to our Hot Girl Summer episode also started to make me question my weight at 10 years old. So she's not my favorite, but I, who knows? It could have gone differently than how I remember it in my head. But what I remember in my head is her just like kind of telling me I was a teenager and like time yeah, to like, – Oh, it's hormones. Yeah. Like this kind of happens. Um, and that was that. Um, and then – because we were in therapy a lot when we were little, but we stopped for a while. And then I remember – I think it might have been my junior year of high school having like a mental breakdown in front of my mom. Like I ha- I have to go back to therapy. Like I – um, like I can't do this anymore kind of thing. Like I was just so miserable. And it's like kind of hard to put into words like what that feeling is. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still – I continue to deal with it. Like it's really hard to explain what that is like. Um, And yeah, I think it's like interesting because a lot of signs of depression in teens are like, I think hard to miss. Um, Right. You know, like I – You spent a lot of time in bed. I spent a lot of time in my bed. Yeah. Um which it's a lot like of teens we all, do. Yeah, a lot of teens do love their room and their bed, which is But fair. it was it was different. Like I really did not want to get out of my bed. I remember I used to have horrible back pain because of how much time I sat sitting in my bed. Yeah. Um and you know, there was a good amount of like emotional eating that I would do. I remember I would bring like a package of Oreos to my bed. <laughs> because that's where mm-hmm. I lived. And <laughs> I would just eat them like continuously. And listen, I'm not against eating some Oreos when you want to eat them. No right. limits. But it was different. It, it was like there was nothing else for me to do. Mm-hmm. I had no motivation to do anything else. Um, and so I did go back to therapy. Um, and that was really helpful. Uh, and you know, I, I don't want to get like too, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be like trigger warning, but kind of trigger warning that it got pretty bad for me for a while there. I mean, I never had any like actual attempts of hurting myself, but a lot of thoughts about it. Like a lot of thoughts of, you know, truly the world would just be easier, like without my presence. Like that's what it felt like all the time of like, I'm not adding any value to this world. Like my my presence isn't helpful to anyone else. It's not joyful to anyone else. And that's just like a tough mental space as you can imagine. Yeah. Like that's – it's just hard when you feel like there, you have no value. You know, it's hard to bounce back from that. Um, and, you know, I've been in therapy for a long time. I went back in high school um, and I did start going on medication um, for both – my depression and my anxiety because I deal with that as well. Um, and I have been on medication for eight years, I think, um, have been on different types, um, throughout the years. I'm actually going through a a shift in my medication currently. Um, there was a period of time in college when I decided, I don't think I need this anymore. And so I just went off of it. Note to all of you out there, don't do that. Don't just (laughs) stop taking your medicine. Um, it's a horrible feeling. I had a lot of, I had a bad reaction when I just stopped taking my medicine cold turkey. Yeah. Um, so I think it's fairly common that, that people often, they feel so much better on their medicine that, that they're, they sometimes are like, oh, you know what? Like I, I could go without, but forgetting kind of like, all right, the the medicine really does help you sort of get there. And that if you are going to go off, you, you got to do it sort of gradually. (laughs) Definitely. I think there's a lot of stigma out there that being on antidepressants or any type of mental illness medication is a sign of weakness. Um, And I put that pressure on myself a lot of the time, Um, right? Like I've been on these for years. Like, isn't it about time? Like, isn't it it about time that I'm off of these? Um, 
but I've been told by many professionals, like if you're feeling good, that's not a sign to stop. That's a sign that things are working the way that they're supposed to be working. Um, and recently I've decided I want, you know, I, things weren't working for me. Um, this past year especially has been really tough for me, um, mental health wise, even more so than 2020, which I find like kind of funny. Like, I don't know, you would think 2020 would be worse, I guess. Like there was more going on, but maybe it's because things didn't get better. Yeah. It's like kind of, it's just them dragged on. And so now it's like, it's like the second phase of it. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of a scary feeling like you were talking about earlier, Rebecca, like you felt it again and you were like, oh no, yeah, like it's back. And that's how I felt. Like I hadn't felt this bad since I was a senior in high school. And mm-hmm. like having those thoughts of kind of worthlessness and hopelessness again. And um, which is a scary feeling. And I was scared when I felt that way. Um, luckily, I have a lot of experience with this now. And I've, I know that I can feel better. Um, it's hard in the moment. Um, but I, I know that there have been better times. Um, it's kind of funny. I always used to laugh. Like you would watch these like celebrity documentaries, right? And they would talk about their like team of doctors. And I was like, what team? Like, what are you talking about? What is this like group? Like, it sounds like they follow you around like my team. And now I'm like, oh, you know, I actually kind of get it. Like I work with a lot of health professionals on my, my mental illnesses. You know, I see a, psycho- a psychologist, a psychiatrist. I've started seeing a dietitian. I, you know, talk about it with all of my doctors, with my primary care doctor, with my gynecologist. Like, they're all aware. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, uh, you do need a team. <laughs> <laughs> literally, you need a team to work on this brain. Um, Not just yours. I mean, like, all of us. Like, yes. it really takes a team. It takes a village. And I do want to acknowledge, like, I'm very privileged to be able to see all of these kinds of doctors to deal with my illness because a lot of people cannot. Um, so I'm really lucky that that I get to do that um, because it's probably been the most helpful thing. I mean, probably the most helpful thing has been my medication um, because mm-hmm. when you're sick, you need medicine, right? That's how it works. Um, so that's what's been most helpful for me. Um, but also, you know, talk therapy has been the most helpful um, in getting myself to a better place. And it's really interesting. Mental health sucks in a lot of ways, but in one of the ways that it sucks is that you can have a really good day and then the next day you can have a really bad day. And it's not yeah. necessarily because of anything specific. It's just how it is. And, you know, um, yesterday I felt like I had a really good day. And on Monday I – had a panic attack for the first time in a really long time. And um, literally, like, my one of my former roommates used to call it burritoing because I would do that sometimes when I would have a really bad day. I would literally like, get into my bed and wrap myself like a burrito. And I had, like – sometimes it was just, like, for comfort. But on Monday, it was, like, I was having a full-on panic attack and I actually was trying to, like, hide – under my covers to not draw attention to my boyfriend about the fact that I was having a panic attack, which newsflash to me, you can't do when you live in 600 square feet. It's very apparent. (laughs) The hyperventilating hyperventilating is very apparent to everyone in your vicinity. So, um, but it's like those moments are really scary. Um, Yeah. That feeling of just when something comes back and you're like, oh no, like this mm -hmm. again is is so demoralizing. And I think one of the the things that has helped me with that is just like remembering that it has always passed. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oof, like I'm feeling some of that again. I'm feeling a little bit off, a little bit dizzy or just a little bit stressed or my heart feels like it's kind of racing a bit. And I just remind myself, you know, I've gotten through it every time before and it's always passed and I, I have these strategies now to like help deal with it. I'll do my sort of like slow intentional breathing to kind of like right. calm me down. I have just like a toolkit now. Most of that stuff is, is stuff that I learned in therapy and even though it's still not fun, it's it's less 
panic inducing as it used to be because now I know, okay, I have options. I have things I can do and I know that this is going to stop at some point. It's not going to go on forever like I used to fear. I used to think that it would just, it would never end. And that just adds to the feelings of, of hopelessness. Definitely. It's really helpful to be able to identify things when they're happening. Mm-hmm. Even when I had my panic attack on Monday, I was like, okay, I'm having a panic attack. Like, what do we do? <laughs> we have panic attacks, right? Like, yep. deep breathing. Um, and it's hard because like, when I get panic attacks, my whole body kind of clenches. Yep. And it's really hard to relax, you know, so it, and then it just prolongs it. So I just have like different breathing strategies and things that I do to calm those down. Um, but it's scary. It's even scary after dealing with it for our whole lives. Um, <laughs> yep. But it is good to know that there are times – it is good to know that you remember when it's better. Like now I remember mm-hmm. the bad times and I remember how they went away. And then the bad times kind of fade in your mind a little bit. Like it's it, – those yeah. they don't stay forever. Um, it's like you don't forget about them, but they don't seem as strong in your mind anymore. Yeah, they're um, not as powerful when you have like more – tools and more memories of of getting through it sort of yeah um so that's just kind of like a snapshot into um what our journeys have been um with mental health we wanted to also kind of talk about some of the things that we do in terms of coping and once again I'll just say that we are not experts in this area but We have our personal experiences that we can speak to, um, and if you feel like you're dealing with any type of mental health issue, it's really important to speak um, to a professional. Um, I know that that's a challenging – that can be really hard. I know I've had really hard experiences sometimes finding therapists or psychiatrists, but there are even now like quick apps that you can use. I get ads for BetterHelp like constantly. Mm -hmm. um, We're not sponsored, but if they want to sponsor us, they can (laughs) let us know. I hear about them all the time, um, but just different resources and apps like that where you can get kind of like immediate help, which can be really important. So anywho, just a little plug. Um, but some of the things that I try to do, I do a lot of deep breathing. Um, I've tried meditation and I have found it challenging, but what I have found incredibly helpful from those exercises is deep breathing. That's like the only thing sometimes that can really get me through something. And I actually normally practice deep breathing every night when I go to sleep because that's when my anxiety gets the worst. It'll feel like my whole stomach is clenching and I just have to breathe through it. Um, And it actually helps with other things too. Like um, I recently got my ears pierced again. (laughs) I got like my second piercings and I was really scared. Um, And I just like breathed through it. And that is something I don't think I would have ever been able to do, you know, years ago. Like it just would have been panic through through the whole thing. There would have been no breathing. It would have mm-hmm. been me holding my breath the whole time. Especially you as a child, like whenever there was like a shot coming your way, you would like a scream bloody murder. Oh my god, the person even yes. was near you with the literally thing. a nurse's worst nightmare. That was me. And now I like donate blood and I get shots when I got had to get them and I got my ears pierced. I also just got another tattoo like breathe through that like deep breathing can get you through a lot it can get you through so many things like that's honestly one of the best things for me when I'm feeling really anxious and I feel my breathing sort of like pick up and then I get to this point of panic like oh my gosh am I having an asthma attack am I having a panic attack who knows and I just do like a slow like four count in through my nose hold it for four slow count out for four like out of my mouth and it just it is so calming. I just do that until I feel my heart rate slow and then I'm like, okay, I can I can proceed yep. and figure out the, the next thing to do. But I do it for anxiety. I do it for like physical pain, like mm-hmm. you were saying. I do it if I'm just like getting freaking worked up and I'm like getting irritated at something. It is so useful at like immediately sort of bringing you down a little bit. Agreed. And I know one thing that we also both do is try to incorporate movement into our routines to help um, 
with anxiety and it's also helpful with depression. Um, sometimes it can be tricky for me. Sometimes movement for me can exacerbate my anxiety. Um, it's almost like my heart rate is up. So if I'm doing something like high, in- that's highly intensive, it just prolongs my heart rate being up. <laughs> right. I remember I used to be like, okay, you know what I'm going to do to deal with like this high anxiety I'm feeling? I'm going to get on the elliptical. <laughs> not helpful. <laughs> Just continue to have my heart rate up. Um, so I try to be better about listening to my body. And if I'm panicking, I will either sometimes decide not to do a workout or I'll go for a walk. Walks, mm-hmm. walks are so underrated. And walking is one of my favorite forms of exercise because it allows me to be like a little bit more mindful. Yeah. It's just, it's time to think. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's not that much time during the day where you're just kind of like chilling with your thoughts. Agree. Um, and a lot of times too, I really love the area that I live. I'm close to the water. So I'll go for kind of a long walk in the morning sometimes. You know, I'll get out there for like an hour, not, you know, walking slow. You know, sometimes I'll get a coffee too. Like I'm not taking this like incredibly seriously. I'm not like power walking here. Um, (laughs) And I go down to the water and I just like, (laughs) it sounds so cheesy, but like I literally feel the wind on my face and I just try to like take a moment to be present and sometimes practice some gratitude of like how wonderful it is to be here. Um. One person we talk about a lot that we love is Whitney Simmons. She's a health and wellness influencer. And her phrasing is, it's a beautiful day to be alive. And I actually find that really helpful. Sometimes I try to just remember, like, mm-hmm. today is a great day to be alive. Our grandpa used to say growing up, every day I'm vertical is a good day. <laughs> and I try to implement that as well. Yeah. I feel like walks give you such nice perspective, especially if you're, like, out by some nature and just – see things and get outside of your head and your and your space but at the same time just think through things it's so peaceful and also just reminds you like okay there's other things going on besides whatever thing is kind of stressing me out today totally and then there are other moments where i like to go to boxing and like beat the shit out of a bag <laughs> yeah. and that's helpful like it it almost makes you feel kind of alive in those moments right. Yeah, it's so true. Sometimes like really using your body in that way feels very satisfying mm-hmm. and it's like you're like forcing all of that anxious energy out of you into something else. Yeah, agreed. Um, one of the other things that I do sometimes is journaling. Um, sometimes I feel like I'll, fi- I'll find myself typically late at night, like about ready to go to bed and I have like a lot of thoughts all of a sudden Love about- it when that happens all of the things I've ever done wrong or all of the things I'm worried about. <laughs> Every social interaction you've ever had in your Every embarrassing life. moment in my entire <laughs> life or just like all of the things that could possibly ever go wrong or just things I'm worried about. Uh, what would I do if someone I cared about died? Who knows? Oh God, just, those are the worst ones. I just the worst. night. I'll just like, it'll be like midnight and all of a sudden I'm like, what would happen if, if this person died or what if I – if I died and just it's like just, what if my cat dies I can't oh I can't we can't talk about pets I'll literally burst into tears no. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. moving on, moving on. Nope, 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 nope. um but sometimes I find it helpful to just like start writing out all of the things that I'm anxious about to just get them out of my head and t- into something else and sometimes seeing them in the list I'm just like all right they're like they're organized I know what what I'm worried about or sometimes I'll see them there and I'll just be like that's an absurd thing to be worrying about. Why am I worrying about that? And once I see it out there, I'm like, okay, that's silly. I, I, I can go to bed. Why am I, why am I thinking about this? But it's helpful to sort of process your feelings. Be like, okay, these are all the things that are on my mind, and then you can sort of slowly work through them and address them, or be like, I'm gonna address them tomorrow. They're all listed here. They're not going anywhere, and I'll circle back to those. I think that's such a great skill that you have. That's an area I'm really bad in. I keep every thought and feeling and emotion in my head. Like I've been it's locked told, in tight. Oh, it's locked in there. And I have been told by many health professionals to write it down. And I'm like, I don't want to see it on paper. <laughs> They're like, it'll be helpful. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> don't want to write I it really down. I really think it is. I feel like making lists 
generally like helps me with my stress. If I'm like overwhelmed at work or overwhelmed with just like household tasks I need to do, as soon as I write them out, I'm like, all right, I have a I completely list. agree with that. Like I write all of my work notes down in a notebook. When I – even in college, I wrote all my notes down. Like if I have things to do, write it down. You want to talk about my thoughts and feelings? I do not want it on paper. I don't want it out there. I don't want to – I don't want the memory of it. I don't. So I've funny. also heard I, – I haven't done this personally, but I've heard from other people that sometimes when you're like really anxious or stressed or whatever or just feeling emotional, to just write out all your thoughts, like the craziest ones you possibly have, like the most extreme things, and then you just write it out there. And just kind of crumple it up and throw it out. Like you yeah, don't have then to hold someone on. Finds it. Like it's you know where it's safe in my head. <laughs> Things are crazy. Just people tear say. it up. Just, just tear it up first. It's fine. You can separate the pieces in different trash cans. What I'm hearing is I need a paper shredder. And <laughs> you need tools. <laughs> Yikes. Also, I can be so freaking annoying about like needing the right type of notebook and like the right pen. That is true. I've gotten like, like really. The writing about my journal. Experience. It's so <laughs> annoying. It's so stupid. But anywho, it's a goal that I always have and I haven't gotten better at it. But you you know, the first step is acceptance. <laughs> admitting you have a problem. <laughs> right. The first thank you. The first step is admitting I have a problem. And then we work on the problem. I like <laughs> yeah. to uh, I talk about it with my therapist all the time. I love to avoid things. Um which I think sometimes can be helpful in the in some moments. And what, what we're currently working on is me sitting with my thoughts. So first I sit and then I write them down. Um, but when I'm not sitting with my thoughts, I love to avoid them by watching reality TV. That is something yep. that I find incredibly helpful. And that <laughs> might sound so stupid, but like one of my favorites used to be the Kardashians. And I, I truly think it's because their voices were so monotone. Yeah, they have that like vocal fry slash monotone thing going on. That it was like very soothing and their problems I'm, – I'm not trying to discount anyone's problems. I'm sure they have real life problems, but their problems on the show were so minute. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like Scott Disick and, and Chloe pulling the – or Kim pulling the Scott – or the Todd Crane's prank. You know, they would call – Chris and be like, Chris, it's me, Todd. Um, like those things like just brought me so much joy. Now I've kind of switched to Real Housewives. I like that a lot. Sometimes though they're fighting so much that I'm like, this is having me out. Right. You're like, this is, this is just stressing me out now. I'm like you're screaming. And that's why the Beverly Hills ones are kind of nice because I don't scream as much. Anywho, I could go on about that forever. But that is something that I use a lot to help calm me down is just kind of tune out with something that – feels very relaxed. Yeah, it's nice to have like comfort shows. My go-to is probably Fixer Upper. Oh, another good Chup one. and Joanna. It's just it's so satisfying and calming. Another one is is Gilmore Girls. It's mm-hmm. just like so familiar and comforting that I'll just put it on. I'll be like I'm just like I'm just I'm in Stars Hollow. I'm relaxed. Or a show that will make me laugh, like something that will almost like physically reverse the effects of what I'm feeling. Like I'll put on The yeah. Office or Parks and Rec. Those are shows that will actually make me laugh out loud. And you know, it's hard to make yourself laugh, but when you start laughing, like it, it really does help the other physical symptoms. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does like chemically lift your mood to to have that that burst. I remember once I was given the tip of when you're running to start smiling because it'll make the run feel better because mm. when you smile, it really – I don't know if it's endorphins that it releases. Like, don't quote or me s- on that. Um, yeah. But it, it releases positive hormones that actually make you feel better. Um, now, you look like a psycho when you're running <laughs> and you're smiling. With a smile on your face. But who knows? Like, maybe that's a tip I could <laughs> just try to smile when I'm, like, having a panic attack. I don't know how – feasible that sounds but something to keep in mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think overall the biggest thing that has helped me is is therapy just working through things like having having someone (laughs) make you feel like you're not crazy and give you actual tools to deal with what's making you feel anxious and to get to the root of it is just I think the most helpful thing um and like we said we've gotten in and out of it Yeah. And I also think therapy can be so helpful too in managing your other relationships because then you don't use your friends, your family, your partner as a therapist. Right. Um, Which I think we could honestly do a whole episode on that. But 
I had therapy on Tuesday and I had been feeling really upset. As I mentioned, I had a panic attack on Monday and I felt so much better after that call. And not to say that that fixes everything, but like even that conversation was more valuable than conversations I had had, you know, with other people because it's just like, it's just a trained professional, you know? They have training and expertise. (laughs) And it's nice when you get to talk to someone and you feel like you're working through an issue and you don't feel so guilty about talking about yourself or putting your emotions on this person because like that is their job. That's what they're there for. You're not burdening them with anything. You're not emotionally exhausting them or just talking your friend's ear off or whatever. It's it's a person who's there to specifically hear about your issues and fears and concerns. Right. So anywho, World Mental Health Day is next week. It's on October 10th. It's a very important day. It's a national holiday in my book, <laughs> not in anyone else's. But in my book, it's a, it's a national holiday. It's so important to celebrate it by doing something that's good for your mental health. I'll probably be watching reality TV. I'll probably do some deep breathing. Maybe I'll go for a walk. All of those things. Yeah, hopefully um, this was helpful in any way. Again, we're we're not professionals, but these are just our experiences and what's worked for us. And if any of you have been dealing with these kinds of issues or have really great things that work for you that help you with your mental health issues, we would love to hear about that. So feel free to let us know at um, our Instagram at sisterlypod or via our email, um, which is sisterly.contact at gmail.com. Um, or maybe – You've listened and you've realized you're incredibly more well-adjusted than we are. Um, and if that's the case, let us know. Yeah. We're happy for you. Do share. I'm I'm really happy for you. You look happy Cheers and healthy. <laughs> but thanks so much for listening. It means the world to us. Um, and we can't wait to catch you on the next episode of Sister Leaf.